The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Oh, where to start with this extraordinary carry-on in British politics? Why not actually, let's, we'd start with ITV's News at 10 last night because it had the most extraordinary introduction to a news story that I think I can remember on main national television. It has been a night of astonishing scenes at Westminster with reports of jostling, manhandling, bullying and shouting outside the parliamentary lobbies in a supposed vote of confidence in the government. The deputy chief whip was reported to have left the scene saying, I'm absolutely effing furious, I just don't effing care anymore, before he resigned along with the chief whip. But we've just been told they have now officially unresigned. The Home Secretary has, however, definitely gone. In short, it is total, absolute, abject chaos. <laughs> that is not the day today. That is not Chris Morris. Nick Ferrari, presenter of Nick Ferrari at Breakfast on LBC Radio. Sorry for laughing with something that's very important to you and your country, but this is bizarre stuff. We deserve nothing less. It is risible. We have become the new Italy of European politics, where we trade in prime ministers as much as David Beckham changes his stock. Good evening to you. Uh, the intro was absolutely spot on. Just to clarify, it was actually in the early hours of the morning that we had full proof from number 10 or full validation of that, that the chief whip and the deputy chief whip have stayed in place. And, and this idea, which just to inform your listeners, there is to be no coercion, no bullying, no harassment of members as they are go to vote. Obviously, you can what's called whip them. You can ring and you can encourage and condole or whatever. But when they're actually approaching the uh, the voting lobbies, as they're called, there is to be no intimidation or interference. And they are investigating. But my goodness me, there's a series of pictures up on Twitter that makes it look very much as if it did take place. Sorry, what sort of things? Um, effectively, they corralled them. It, it looks like he denies it. I repeat, he denies it. But Jacob Rees-Mogg and Dr. Theresa Coffey, the Deputy Prime Minister, she also denies it, acted as almost sheepdogs, as it were, to try and herd up, her roll together. <clears throat> MPs who might have been a little bit doubtful, might have been ready to descend, might even have been going through the wrong lobby, uh, and effectively bore down on them, they deny it, so that they were ushered in the right direction through the right passage into the right lobby, with a mixture of, shall we say, uh, smiles and perhaps a veiled sweat. Okay, so let's hear what one Tory backbench politician, Charles Walker, had to tell the BBC about that. This is an absolute disgrace. As a Tory MP of 17 years, who's never been a minister, who's got on with it loyally most of the time, I think it's a shambles and a disgrace. I think it is utterly appalling. So so you seem quietly... I'm, I'm, I'm livid. And, you know, I really shouldn't say this, but I hope all those people that put Liz Truss in number 10. I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it for the ministerial red box. I hope it was worth it to sit around the cabinet table because the damage they have done to our party is extraordinary. I'm sorry, it's very difficult to convey. You look just furious about this. I am. I am. I've had enough. I've had enough of talentless people um, putting their tick in the right box, not because it's in the national interest but because it's in their own personal interest to achieve ministerial position. And I, and I know I speak for hundreds of backbenchers who right now um, are worrying for their constituents all the time, but now worrying about their own personal circumstances because there is nothing as X as an ex-MP. And a lot of my colleagues are wondering, as many of their constituents are wondering, how they're going to 
pay their mortgages if this all comes to an end soon. A lot to unpack in that from Charles Walker. I want to bring in Rachel Cunliffe, Senior Associate Editor of the New Statesman. Although, isn't it fair to say that she wasn't the choice of the parliamentary party, that they wanted Rishi Sunak and it was the Tory party members back in the constituencies who foisted Liz Truss upon you? Well, there is some truth to that, although it was Conservative MPs who ensured that she got to the final two and therefore went to the, the members' ballot. And also over the summer, as it became more and more clear that Liz Truss would beat Rishi Sunak, a lot of MPs who hadn't supported her switched it very blatantly because they could see uh, who was going to win and, and they were hoping for, for jobs, which is what Charles Walker was alluding to there. More seriously, I think it's been obvious since the, the, the mini budget, which feels like about five years ago, uh, which was actually less than a month ago, that the, the Liz Truss economic project has been falling apart and comprehensively trashed. And the Conservative Party could have got rid of her in, in that time, but it has taken this long, I think, because some still support her or some were hoping that maybe she could she could turn it around and there's been a lot of wasted time during that process as well. So Nick Ferrari, how was the bottle of whiskey and revolver produced this morning? Uh, well initially well it has been reported that she asked for both the chairman of the party and the man in charge of the nineteen twenty two committee, Sir Graham Brady, the uh, uh, the trade union leader, as it were, which she supposedly called on them um, just before lunchtime. And it is believed then that they laid out just how many letters were coming in. Remember, he's the man, he's the keeper of the, the number of letters that but in the old days you used to actually get 12 months once you were elected as a leader before they could send in letters. But they're making the rules up on the hoof just in this desperate bid to stay in power. So she sought counsel from both those. She then realized how perilous her position was. Uh, and that was the end of her. And of course, that now sets the ball rolling. So he's going to replace her. We'll get to that in one second. But Rachel, will there be anyone sympathetic to Liz Truss? Or is she just simply the author of her own misfortune, somebody who was hopelessly out of her depth? Both. I mean, if you if, if you look at her face, particularly, say, last Friday when she gave the press conference after sacking Kwasi Kwarteng, or on Monday when she turned up in the Commons to watch uh, a replacement answer an urgent question on, on her behalf, she looked ill, I think a, a, lot of, a lot of people said. Very dazed, very confused. There are some people who weren't even sure she was going to make it through PMQs yesterday. And it is it, it, it is difficult not to feel a fraction of, of sympathy on a human level for somebody who was under that much pressure. However, the fact remains, she went for this job. She was warned repeatedly uh, by a number of people, including uh, her rival Rishi Sunak, about what her plans would do. And while this whole self-indulgent Tory psychodrama has been going on, uh, this country is facing economic crisis. People are seeing their mortgages go up, their rents go up, uh, energy bills are soaring. They're double what they were last year, even with the energy price cap guarantee, which is ending in April. She's going to get a payout of... Uh, I think more than she earned while being prime minister uh, for, for uh, as, as a payout when, when, when she resigns. You've got people who are really, really struggling here to feed themselves, to feed their kids, to heat their homes. No idea how they're going to get through the winter. And we don't have a government, just like we didn't have a government through much of the summer because of this very self-indulgent Conservative Party infighting. But we could have Boris Johnson back, Nick Ferrari. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, we, Richard, yeah, I, think, I think your laugh there sums up a lot of people listening might be thinking, but could it possibly be, Nick, that Boris Johnson, ousted only a few months ago by a majority of his parliamentary party, could re-emerge? And I think one quote today that he's thinking of doing so in the national interest. In the national interest, I can hear Rachel chuckling, but she's sharpening her pen already. Yes, it appears he's on his way back from his holiday with Carrie in the Caribbean, supposedly in the public interest. The Conservatives have got a bit of a, they've got a bit of worry on their hands here, let's be honest about it. If he is able to find his way onto the ticket, bear in mind there is still a parliamentary inquiry into Boris Johnson, which, if it were to take an ultimate sanction, might mean he wouldn't even be an MP. So he's got, so there will be worries within the party. Because I don't know that they want to, if I know, borrow Rachel's and very apt words, live through the psychodrama of Partygate, Prosecco, Pincher and everything else. They would be looking, I sense, to try and get Rishi Sunak, Penny Morden, who did herself no harm whatsoever by standing in for the Prime Minister earlier this week, or possibly some of the other. I think Grant Schatz is even suggesting he might run for it. Jeremy Hunt has ruled himself out. Because they know that if you get Boris Johnson on the ticket, in the final, well, in the final two, in the final five, he has got such support within the party. And then if they do get all the members to email in or however they're going to do it, telephone, whatever, he is, I would say, he would be the man to beat. And I can't think they would necessarily want that. Rachel Cunliffe, it is possible. If there was to be a contest rather than a coronation, and if it did go to the ordinary party members, isn't the likelihood that Boris Johnson would win? Quite likely. I should say that Conservative Party members, the ones who voted in the leadership contest over the summer, make up about 0.3% of the electorate. They are not representative of of anyone. Uh, And uh, I was actually quite surprised and and really quite horrified by the suggestion today by Graham Brady that, of course, they will get a say in this new week-long contest that we're going to, to have. Actually, the reason Liz Truss lasted so long was because the Conservative Party were desperately trying trying to line up a clear successor so it would be very obvious who was going to take over from her so they could have a coronation rather than a contest precisely because they don't want the the risk of of Boris Johnson coming back. I think he'd find it very, very difficult though. I mean, we've got to remember at the time when he, I say resigned, he didn't really resign, he was forced out. At the time when he was forced to, to um, who, was, who was forced out. Uh, as, as Nick said, there's a Privileges Committee investigation into whether he misled Parliament. Uh, he was polling below sort of negative figures, not quite as low as Liz Truss, but in negative figures among Conservative voters, a majority of whom thought it was right that he should resign. And let's not forget that virtually his entire cabinet resigned because they thought he was unfit to be prime minister. Are those people who were saying a couple of months ago, this man is unfit to be prime minister, going to put him on the ticket? If if he did win, would they go back and serve in his cabinet? I mean, not a huge amount has changed in that time. And as, as Nick said, he, Boris Johnson was serving the national interest by being on holiday in the Caribbean during parliamentary time at a time of national crisis. It doesn't really sound in the national interest to me. Well, Nick Ferrari, there are a couple of other factors in that he got away at 150 grand last week for doing a speech in the America. And I, I presume he doesn't want to give up the lucrative speaking circuit too easily. But there are those who suggested the reason that he pushed Liz Truss 
over Rishi Sunak was not just his vengeance against Sunak, but because he knew trust would fail and that would give him an opportunity to come back. But could it be that she's failed even too quickly for his needs, that he possibly saw himself coming back at some stage further down the line after maybe she had lost the next election, that this is too soon for Boris? Yeah, I mean, I, that is the theory to me that holds more money. Look, £135,000 or whatever he got for that speech is a lot of money. But he has quite an expensive lifestyle. He's a recently divorced man. He's got two young children. He has houses to maintain. He lives quite well. So he did say, apparently, to friends when he left number 10, right now I'm, quote, going to make some money. He's also got a book to write, and he's already had um, uh, the advance for that. So I think you're right. I think he was in money-making mode. I personally think he would have liked to have seen the Conservatives go to the next general election, have a pretty torrid time of it. Then they start to cast around. To remind you what Rachel said, we've got this inquiry into he obviously has to be cleared of that. Then the Conservatives start to cast their eyes around. Enough time has gone between now Prosecco and Owen Patterson and Pincher and everything else. They've been two or three years. Who's the leader? Who's the winner? Bring back Boris. I, I think the timing might be just, even though he likes to cite some, is it King Kenneth or something, some Greek mythology story of a man who was brought back from his plough to rule. Um, I think he might be a little bit early on that in his plan. I, I don't think Boris Johnson ever went for the manual labour involving a plough. So <laughs> then, Rachel, who could end up being the leader, do you think? And what difference would it make in relation to not just managing the economy, but something that we're particularly interested in here in Ireland, EU relations and also the Northern Ireland Protocol. That is such an interesting question because uh, just before we had the chaotic scenes at the fracking boat last night, we also had the the sacking slash resignation. We're not really sure of the Home Secretary, which uh, we talked yesterday about how that was sort of on a technicality, uh, which neither of us believed at the time when we were right. Well, <laughs> uh, she 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 put that in in her letter. But the the backstory to that is that there has been a behind the scenes clash between Suella Braverman and Liz Truss on immigration and more generally on the kind of approach to Europe, approach to Brexit, approach to uh, migration and, and Britain's place in the world, symbolised by various wings of the Conservative Party. So now we've got a, a, a fight on our hands. There is still a Brexit faction and a kind of moderate, sensible sane-ish faction of the Conservative Party and who they choose uh, is going to have the same battles with the other half of the party that we've already seen. Now, uh, top of the of the bookies list is, is Rishi Sunak, who obviously was the runner-up in the contest and also uh, people think he has the the credibility in terms of, of economics and, and what he said about the warnings of, about the economy to sort of stabilise the markets. It's quite likely that Jeremy Hunt, who's a sort of centrist, remainer, sensible figure, will remain as as Chancellor um, because the the key priority now isn't Brexit. It's trying to make sure that people still have pension funds and can afford their mortgages in a week's time and that it doesn't cost us 100 quid for a coffee when we come over to Ireland because the exchange rate is so bad. That's the key priority. But that doesn't mean that all of the Brexit anguish in the Conservative Party uh, has gone away. And there is unfortunately a faction in the Tory party that still believes that true Brexit has never been tried. And that's what the problem was. Yeah, but then realistic people would say that if you want growth, what you need is a trade deal with the European Union, even if you're not going to rejoin the European Union, 
that you need something that gives you more or less the same access as the single market and the customs union would give. That's the way to grow the economy again. Is there any hope for us that under a Tory government that might actually happen? I think it's it's possible if you had Sunak and, and, and Jeremy Hunt, uh, as we said, simply because the economic pressures are so severe at the moment, they kind of have to do whatever it takes, essentially. It's quite interesting that at Tory party conference, sort of Liz Truss was talking about the anti-growth coalition who were against her plans. Really, you're absolutely right that the true anti-growth coalition is the Brexity wing of the Conservative Party that sees any kind of relaxing of, of the hard Brexit, any kind of relationship trade deal with, with Europe and any uh, openness to, to immigration as something they couldn't possibly do. Whereas, as, as you said, those things would be incredibly helpful for us right now. So Nick Ferrari, what about the chances of a general election? I mean, presumably the Conservatives will do everything they can to avoid an early election for fear of wipeout. But can they realistically govern under yet another leader who hasn't actually been elected by the people? Hold on. And you have to remember that we've said before, these folk are absolutely hooked on power. It is in their DNA. They, they believe they are actually born to lead. They will do. And can they do it? Yes, they can. Should they do it is a, is a, is a very different question. I think Sir Keir Starmer and Ed Davey and Nicholas Sturgeon calls for a general election get a lot more resonance, resonance now. I'll be interested to talk to the listeners to my show tomorrow morning. I think more and more of them will say, look, up with this, we cannot put three leaders, three prime ministers, I'm sorry, three prime ministers in the space of just a few months. It's absurd, effectively, over the summer into the autumn. But to answer your question directly, can they do it? Yes, they can. Will they do it? Yes, I think 99% certain they will. Should they do it? Well, that's up to your listeners to decide. A lot of people are pointing out that the special lettuce that the Daily Star set up on a webcam <laughs> beat Liz Truss. And of course, the question that people want to know now is, what way did the lettuce vote when it came to Brexit? Was it a leaf or a remainer? So there we go. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nick Ferrari and Rachel Cunliffe for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.